If you have a Bible on your phone or iPad or with you physically, you might open to Psalm 93. Psalm 93. Incidentally, we sent this word out for those families that did evacuate um, or for those families that stayed and are still in their homes this morning. We sent out Psalm 93 as a suggestion that you can use this for your own private worship. And this morning, we just want to look at this as we prepare our hearts to come and feast at this table that the Lord has prepared for us and He serves us with Himself. Psalm 93. The Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed. He has put on strength as His belt. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. Your throne is established from of old. You are from everlasting. The floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their roaring. Mightier than the thunders of many waters. Mightier than the waves of the sea. The Lord on high is mighty. Your decrees are very trustworthy. Holiness befits your house, O Lord, forevermore. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be be to God. May God bless not only the reading, but the study and the meditations of our heart upon his word. May you feed us as people from his word. I want you to see three things very quickly this morning. First of all, I want you to see the king on the throne. Then I want you to see the king over chaos. And then I want you to see the king's words. If you look at verse 1 here, it says, The king is robed and he has strength as a belt. And the word is established, but his throne is established also. So what the psalmist is doing here is he's, he's painting a picture and wants to give God's people in this psalm, which would have been a prayer, a song to God. He wants to give them an image as we pray and as we think about God that we imagine and envision God sitting on a throne. How do you see God? Think about it. Where does your, your mind go? What image comes to mind when someone or when you begin to think about God way up there? Maybe floating around on a cloud maybe walking golden streets, maybe in a huge palace, maybe a shepherd in a field. Most people think of him sitting on a throne. But more importantly, how do you see his face? What does he look like on the throne? What does he look like toward you? Is it grimacing? When he, when he looks at you, is he just frowning or is he shaking his head back and forth and say, oh no, not again. What is, he, what is he doing on the throne? What does he do all day anyway? Does he play Candyland or, or is he checking his iPhone? Or what, what, what does he do? Verse 1 says, the Lord reigns. The Lord reigns. Valley of Vision, which is a a collection of prayers. One of the one of the prayers here is resting in God. Bear with me and answer those two questions. 
What does God's face look like on the throne? And what is He doing on the throne? The thought of Thine infinite serenity cheers me. For I am toiling and moiling, troubled and distressed, but Thou art forever at perfect peace. Thy designs cause Thee no fear or care of unfulfillment. They stand fast as the eternal hills. Thy power knows no bond. Thy goodness no stint. Thou bringest order out of confusion. And my defeats, they're your victories. The Lord God omnipotent reigneth. What that writer says is that the face of God in the storm, the face of God on the throne is one of serenity and peace. And that on the throne, reigning over all of creation, bringing order from confusion and disorder, His will being done gives that prayer, it gives our prayers great hope and comfort Let me put it to you differently as you imagine God on the throne and it raining from the throne and His face on the throne. There's no sweat on God's brow. We sweat. He doesn't sweat. God's face, if we could hear His voice, when we look to Him, we don't see Him anxious. We don't see Him fearful. We're toiling and moiling in distress, but not God. No sweat on His brow. And He looks at us And he says, I've got this. I've got you. Rest. Rest. Does the peace of a God reigning on the throne bring you peace? Secondly, I want you to see the king in chaos. It says there in verse 3 that the floods are lifting up their voice. But then in verse 4, it turns and it says, mightier than that voice mightier than the voice of the flood and the thunder. Think about those of you that had an opportunity to sit on a porch or sit outside of North Charleston High School and and look at, at Matthew when it was at its most fierce in the winds. Think about how mighty that was. The trees bending as if they were going to break, then just that the sound rushing through the, the limbs. It says mightier than that mightier than even the waves of the sea, the Lord on high is mighty. And the word there is not mighty among many or a little bit mighty. It's all mighty. He's mightier not than most, but he's mightier than all. There was an ancient myth that in the world there were two great gods that battled for supremacy. There was Baal, who was the god of the land, and there was Yam, who was the sea god. And the sea god was very powerful, but the source of power from the sea god was chaos and disorder. In Revelation chapter 6, it talks about the throne of God. And it says there that sitting on that throne is the Lamb of God. And at the base of the throne, there's a sea 
that is so calm and so still at the base of that throne it's as if it's glass. That sea god was often depicted as what was called a leviathan or a sea serpent type of creature. God is saying, not only am I greater than Baal, but I am greater than every god. I am greater over the chaos that reigns in our life. I am greater than the sea god and the turmoil. The sea represented disorder, confusion. Things can happen in a moment on the sea. And it's deep. And we can't... People would would go down into the deep in a storm in a moment. But with God, he controls the chaos. He's the God over the storm. We see in Matthew chapter 8, we see the disciples, having left Jesus feeding the 5,000 on the shore, they get into a boat. He was left on the shore. He was going up into the hills for his own quiet time to pray and sent them ahead. But a storm came to them. He comes to them in the storm. He comes to them in the storm that they're facing and fearful of their life. Against every power of nature, he walks across the water. And then he gets into the boat. In other words, a storm does come to all of our lives as disciples. But he is with us in the storm. Even as we heard earlier, and was prayed in Psalm 46. Our God is an ever-present help in the storm. Why? Because He's with us in the storm. It's not that we won't have storms, but the great good news is He's a God over the storm. He's a God over the chaos. Are you letting the chaos in your life? Did you find Hurricane Matthew dissettling you enough outside of your control enough that it drove you to God. That it caused you to pray. And to, you've done everything that you can, but now here are these chaotic, out of control events. But we come to Him before His throne and we acknowledge that He's King over all of chaos. And that He Rules and reigning from the throne can be trusted to provide for us. Jesus is the Messiah. That means anointed king. And he is on the throne with God. And the sea becomes like glass. The chaos in our life, he can speak as he did in the boat to those disciples. He can speak to the waves and they will be still. It's very interesting that in the same in the Gospel of John, this same account, it includes another um, fact, and it says that the moment that he spoke, the storm lifted and the boat touched the shore. They were a couple of miles out. Not only did he walk across water, not only did he still the waters with his voice, but they immediately touched the shore. Another miracle. No wonder that they looked at him and they said, what kind of man are you that can still the storms and the chaos? He's the king. He's the king, I tell you. 
And he's on the throne. And he's still ruling and reigning over all chaos. And he does so with no sweat on his brow. One last thing. It says in verse 5, Your decrees are very trustworthy. Holiness befits your house, O Lord, forevermore. Holiness is a word for wholeness, intact. Think about a, a perfect circle. That would be a holy circle. Think about uh, something that is dedicated and sacred because it's completely intact and it's pure and it's clean and it's in order. Then we could say that this table, as it's functioning to hold uh, the communion elements, it's a holy table being used for a very set purpose. Well, God's realm, his kingdom, is holy because he orders it and he reigns with his words. The parables are words of the kingdom. The parables are how God's kingdom is run. And so God is reigning over all of creation, over all of the chaos, and he's doing so by the power of his words. And he tells us that he still speaks, and he'll direct our lives, he'll direct our worship, He'll direct our our future all by the power of his words. And it says, his words, his decrees, they're trustworthy. Such that he doesn't rule simply over the chaos of the sea. He doesn't simply rule over the, the storms. He rules over us. He's a king who is reigning and ruling as our king. And so we listen. And what we hear is that we don't hear in the chaos of our life a king who is chiding us or condemning us. We hear one who is leading us even as his own sons and daughters, royally leading us. So, this morning as we prepare to come to this table, I want you to see this as a royal banqueting table. And that the king on his throne is present with us this morning. Even Jesus Christ, the anointed king, the Messiah. These things show us how he ruled over the chaos even of the cross. That he took that and he worked our good such that when we eat of the bread, we we see his body broken. When we take of the cup, we see his blood poured out. But we see that for our healing, so that our body will never be broken, our blood will never be shed because of judgment. That's all been met. He ruled over even that chaos for our great good. And now these things speak to us. They speak words of good news to us and strength and comfort. I'm going to invite Barry Brinson to come forward. And we're going to do it just a little bit differently uh, to Rivers family this morning. Barry's going to have a cup that you may either take from a common cup or you may uh, dip an intinction. But he's also going to have a piece of bread. Take a good piece of bread, you know. Don't be a bird and take a little piece, but we got plenty of bread. 
But take a good piece of bread and either dip it in the wine or take the bread and take the common cup. But as we do this, this binds us together. We have come together after the storm as God's people to worship and to thank Him. This represents another storm that we come together after this storm on our behalf and we celebrate the work of Jesus Christ that was done for us. And we'll come down this aisle and this aisle. Because you see, on the very night that Jesus Christ was betrayed, He took bread, He broke it, He said, this represents my body. Eat this in remembrance of what I've done for you. In the same manner, after supper, He took the cup, and He said, this cup represents my shed blood for the washing away of all of your sins. Drink this in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you celebrate my death on your behalf until I come again. Those who are welcome to this table, you're not required to be a member of Two Rivers. Any Christian is welcome to this table. And we don't come to this table because we're perfect and good. We come to this table because we're hungry. And we want our King, God, once again, to feed us and to strengthen us as His people. So the one requirement is that we are believers and we're followers of the Lord Jesus Christ by the forgiveness of our sins. And so you're welcome to this table in acknowledgement of that. These are the very gifts of God for the people of God. We invite you now as God's people to please come forward as you receive them. Please come forward.